Welcome to the Cross Sands Christian Centre podcast. Based in the small Welsh village of Cross Sands in Carmarthenshire, we've always been passionate about sharing God's love with our local community. And now, thanks to the podcast, we can share that love even more widely. Wherever you're listening to this podcast in the world, we pray it will be a blessing to you. Sending much love from us and God to you. Thank you for listening. Are we all sitting comfortably? Yes. Okay, I'll begin. <laughs> okay, so um, I guess for Emily's benefit, but also a little bit of recap, because so I know what you're all like, you all forget what we did last time anyway. So if you remember what I... What's the matter now? I ignore me, I have to get my Bible, sorry. Ah, Keep good going. idea. What, uh, what, I, what I planned to do was... Um, I, I, I got, got intrigued, as you know, by, um, I'm always intrigued by the Lazarus and his being raised from the dead and the relationship with that. And of course, that's in John's Gospel. And that led on to me thinking about John's Gospel. And we were still looking at Easter uh, and Lazarus fits with the Easter story. And therefore, we wanted to, to, to do a little bit more thinking about where that came from. Because we were waiting for Steve to do something on Easter, but Steve keeps being poorly. So we never got that far. I did Steve's preach last week. Yes, I know you did Steve's preach. He told preaching. me. Oh, I see. You told yeah, me. Yeah, his preach was on there we are. So, so, <laughs> so, excellent. So, of course, we're you know um, we, we we did we did because we're still doing Easter. I did uh, uh, the beginning of John's Gospel because that's straight into some of the stuff that relates to Jesus, etc., and where he fits in in the creation story. Uh, and started to realise that John uses loads of these different techniques. Now we've seen this before because Roger. Has, has told us a lot and introduced a lot about uh, how uh, the, the the Jewish Bible they you know they, they they went through this whole process of learning everything by rote. So at the very least, every single Jew that is being preached at or talked to in the Bible, when we see it, uh, uh, knows the first five books of the Bible. And as soon as anyone says anything that relates to that, they go straight back to it, and they see a whole lot more than we ever see. And so. We've been conscious that we need to always think Jewish when we're reading the, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament because that's who these, these books were originally written for and that's the context of where this, where this all comes from. And uh, we then was introdu- were introduced as a result of, I don't know, reading something else, the, the principle of first mention. And the principle of first mention, again, triggers something in the Jewish mind. So the first time, and the key verse to John's Gospel is John 3.16, for God so loved, and as soon as that the, the, any the Jewish hearer hears the word love, they go to the first. They, they they think back to the first mention of love in the Torah, and the first mention of love in the Torah is in the story of Abraham sacrificing his son. So immediately, when Jesus starts talking about he's going to be raised from the dead, which is in this part of John, it goes straight back to them. And they they, they, they then begin to pick up different parallels, which if we're not careful, we don't see. And so we thought, well, we're going to, I thought, and you agreed, you didn't disagree, you kept inviting me to come and do this sort of bits and pieces, said, well, I'm going to carry on with this, because I then learnt, of course, and we shared, that John's Gospel is split in two. Uh, It's like the first 11 chapters are called the Book of Signs, and then the Book of Glory it's the last, um, however many, it's about 10 or 11 in the last section, but the, you know, John's Gospel is split in two, and that last section, which is long, virtually as long as the first section, is effect- effectively only one week, uh, whereas the first section is the, the whole of his, the, the first sort of three-ish, or two and a half, three years of his, his ministry. So we're looking at those signs that, uh, that John refers to, and John refers to seven signs. 
And there are seven signs or miracles that John records in his gospel. Doesn't mean that there were only seven signs. There's a whole chunk more than that, of course, in the, in John's, in the other gospels, because signs are John's way of referring to miracles. But he calls them signs because he wants to emphasize that, they are, that, that they're actually pointing to the glory of Jesus all the time. So that's where we're at. So we're going to carry on. We're going to look at, we've already looked at two of the signs, but we're going to look at the second sign, because the two signs we looked at was the uh, water into wine, which was the first one in, in John's Gospel, and then we looked at the seventh sign, because that's Lazarus, so we've already done one of those, so we've got those other chunk to do. So the second one will be picked up in the, in the book that we're going to read today, which is well, bits of uh, John chapter uh, 3 and John chapter 4. But of course, before we get to his sign, which is at the end of John chapter 4, the second <coughs> sign, I thought it'd be use, interesting to look at the parallels, because of course, one of the things that um, was pointed out by uh, a chap called Mark somebody, where did I write it down? Uh, uh, Mark Strauss, Mark L. Strauss in, the, in his book, Four Portraits, One Jesus, was that there is a parallel going on in uh, John chapter 3 and John chapter 4. Now, I'm sure Mark L. Strauss in 2007 was not the first person to have spotted this. And in fact, you know, given the intention of John to use various techniques, it wouldn't, I'm, I'm quite convinced that either the Holy, he doesn't know it and the Holy Spirit put it in his mind when he was writing it down, or he had every intention of drawing out parallels from these two chapters. Now, chapter three, because we know John 3.16 so well, for God so loved the world, etc., we know that's the story, don't we, of Nicodemus coming to Jesus in the middle of night. The chapter four is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And then there are these parallels that, that run through if you follow them through. So if we go to um, uh, um, uh, chapter 3 of, of John, we get the introduction of, at, at verse 1 of, of, of Nicodemus. So it opens with, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Chapter 4, on the other hand, is this account of this private meeting between Jesus and Samaritan. So therefore, that's the first parallel. Effectively, the start of this was a private meeting between Nicodemus and Jesus, and the second, in chapter 4, a private meeting between Jesus and the woman who he was waiting for at the well. And believe me, he was waiting for her at the well. Um, Jesus doesn't do anything by accident. Um, uh, so, and we get John chapter 4 verse 9 the Samaritan woman said to him you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman how can you ask me for a drink for Jews do not associate with the Samaritans now why do Jews not associate with the Samaritans because the only Samaritan we know we start mentioning Samaritan I just go good Samaritan good Samaritan that's not the Jewish opinion of Samaritans bad Samaritans horrible Samaritans they're a bunch of good you know God, God haters, well, not God haters, but they were off their rockers. And the reason is there are three groups of people. Sorry. Wow. Kick <laughs> the bucket. There are, there are three groups of people uh, in, in Israel, of course, at this time. We've got the people who are in Jerusalem. Uh, they, they came from Babylon. They were the first of the, first of the returners from Babylon. So they settled in, in Jerusalem because they, they, they came to rebuild the temple and the wall around Jerusalem, didn't they? Uh, we know that from the, the accounts of um, Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, what's the other one? Ezra and... Nehemiah? 
Nehemiah. Yeah, Ezra and Nehemiah. So they, so they, um, they came to rebuild the, the, the wall and the temple. Now, the second returning cohort is not covered in the Bible, but there was a later return from uh, captivity where they were in Babylon. And they, because there was no room in Jerusalem, effectively settled in Galilee. So they are a, a, a later bunch. Now, the, the bunch down south in Jerusalem always accepted the, the bunch in Galilee as being proper followers of, of, of Jesus and of what God, not Jesus, followers of God. Um, but there was this other bunch in the middle called the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans were the remnant of the northern kingdom. And when the northern kingdom, you know, Assyria, if you remember, we had the northern kingdom, which was the ten tribes, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah, and the other one. Benjamin? Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, Judah and Benjamin, yeah, the other one. Judah and Benjamin. So we're the, we're the southern kingdom. And the Assyrians raided that part, and they took a, you know, they dispersed people all over the place. They had a habit, the Assyrians would, to, so as to disrupt what was going on, but they would take a bunch of people from one place and put them in another place. So they, they mixed people up. And so the people that were left in the northern kingdom, in where we call Samaria, what they call Samaria in the New Testament, were a mixture of, uh, of the, the Jewish remnant plus people have been brought in. So they were intermarried and interbred. And not only that, of course, the northern kingdom went into captivity early because they went off the rails before the southern kingdom, before, the, before Judah, Judah and Benjamin. So they were taken into captivity that, you know, or captive that much earlier. Um, and so th- this, this lot here, and the reason they were taken into captivity earlier was because they went after other gods and followed other gods and they set up their own temples when there was supposed to be the only temple was in Jerusalem. So they disobeyed God more so. And as a result of all of that, yes, the Samaritans are believers in God, but the Jews view them as mixed up and not somebody that you associate with. And that's why she says to Jesus, how come you're talking to me? Now, what we get out of this uh, and the parallel, the, 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 the contrast that is given, being given between chapter 3 and chapter 4 is that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees, as we later learn in, the, in, in, in John's Gospel and elsewhere, of course, they're the ruling class. They're the ones who make the rules and they think that, uh, that, that, they, that, that, that this Jesus was a threat to them. And as we'll pick that up later on. So Jesus is, this, is, is a threat to their authority. And they didn't like him. They went out of their way to, uh, to try and, and ultimately had their way. Because they were the ones who, as the, as the ruling class, as, the, as, the, as, as the, the ones who managed the high priest, etc. Well, they're the ones who had him put to death on the, on the cross. So you don't expect a Pharisee to be coming to Jesus in the dead of night. And a Samaritan woman doesn't expect Jesus, a Jew, to be associating with her. Now, in one, con- in one context, Nicodemus had sought out Jesus, but in the other, it was Jesus who'd done the seeking, and he'd sought out this woman at the, the well. Uh, where have I gone? Oh, I moved on really quickly there. Um... Now, in, when, so when Jesus seeks out the woman, we get that from uh, uh, John chapter 4, well, sorry, I, I, well, I missed out the question. Nicodemus seeks him out, by, and he comes and says, uh, in chapter 3, verse 2, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Whereas from the woman's point of view, Jacob's well was there. And, uh, this is verse four, chapter 4, verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, first mention from John, Jacob's well. Now, Jacob's well is not mentioned in the Bible. Now, I went looking for it, and I couldn't find it. But it probably refers to um, uh, Genesis. I'm sorry, I, I, I just missed that a little bit. Um, who's, what's not mentioned in the Bible? Jacob's well. Jacob's well is not specifically named in the Old Testament. So Jacob's well, not specifically mentioned, but it probably refers to Genesis chapter 33. So because he, as could, because John records Jacob's well, it starts triggering where this is and what's going on in the Jewish mind. Because she calls it Jacob's well, and it was known as Jacob's well at that particular time, but isn't recorded in our Old Testament as Jacob's well, but probably refers to the well that he talks about in Genesis chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. Now, I only remember to look at that one when I suddenly thought, oh, goodness me, I've missed a Jacob. I missed the fact that he mentioned Jacob's well. So I was in the car in the traffic jam thinking, where's Jacob's well from? Where's Jacob's well from? I forgot that. I missed it. And the reason I missed it, because I couldn't find it yesterday either. But I then went looking again. And uh, so it's it is this um, uh, Genesis, where did I say? Genesis 33. Let's go back to Genesis 33. Esau said, then let me leave some of my men with you. Uh, no, that's not 33. That's, that's 15. Genesis 33, verse 8. It's not mentioned. After Jacob came from Paddan Adam, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver he brought from the sons of Hamor, the, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. There he set up an altar and called it El Eloi Israel. And that's where they they will they think is is where he where the reference to Jacob's well is because Jacob bought this plot of land and in the parallel passage in the in the in this in in chapter four of John talks about the land that he bought. Where where, where was it? In John in John. No, chapter, but where in the country was it? It's, where is it near? Where is it near? South of Galilee, north okay. of Jerusalem, oh, north north of yeah. Judah. Okay. Uh, Jerusalem. So How do we know he did the well there? Because it only tells us that. We don't. That's, I, said, Jay, I said, my, my starting point was Jacob's well is not mentioned in the Old Testament. Okay. So everyone's just assuming he goes to well as well as not to. Yeah. Oh, okay. And there is a well there okay. that is now recognised. But historically, you mean? Yes. Okay. So, his, so this woman, the, 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 the real well, Jesus went to a, this well and waited, and the woman called it Jacob's well. Okay. But Jacob's well is not mentioned in the Old Testament. But the Jews would know of this as probably the parcel of land yeah. that, that, was, that uh, Jacob bought at that time. In that oh, because it needs to be a famous one for them to know. And, okay, yeah, so, okay. It's a, so, that, so they will all know Jacob's well, but it's not referred to in here. Okay. What is referred to in, in the Old Testament is, is the, the parcel, parcel of land that Jacob, that Jacob himself bought. Yeah, yeah. Because I got initially got confused. Was this where 
where where Jacob met um, his you know his wife. Jacob was one who got all of his, all of, all of these wives, wasn't he? Yeah. And and he had the favourite wife, and then there was the unfavourite wife, and then there was the, all the the maid servants, which is why he's got so many children. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was that well because I thought, well, there is a well. I know I know the story of the well, but no, it doesn't. What's that? Nothing. Sorry. Oh, come on. I just said to her, is that why he's got so many children? <laughs> you. It was why? a joke. No, because. That's to do with wells. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Wives and other wives, and favourite wives and extra wives. So I no, I've only got I've only got one favourite wife. <laughs> honestly, honestly. It was it was meant to be a joke at the side. It wasn't meant for public. Oh well, well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, and the other interesting thing I think is is I began to wonder. Oh, you know, yes, there's a parallel going through with these stories, and so there's, there's the one seeks. One, Nicodemus seeks him out, but Jesus seeks the woman out. Um, I began to think, well, I wonder, potentially I can link these two, because, of course, the reason Jesus is going back up to Galilee is because he's worried about the, 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 the Pharisees who are, who are now after him. Um, and, of course, how would he know that the Pharisees were after him if he didn't have that as part of a conversation, potentially, with Nicodemus? So it begins to, you know, to sort of Nicodemus, who's this... Uh, who, who they would none of the other Pharisees would expect Nicodemus, and we pick that up as a minute as well, would expect Nicodemus to have any association with Jesus, but he did. So did Nicodemus potentially say, you better get your high tailor out of here at this, this particular stage and go back up to, to Galilee? And that's how he came to be on the road at that particular time, going back to Galilee. And he chose to go, you don't have to go, you don't have to go via Samaria to get back to Galilee. But he chose to go to Samaria because he wanted to meet the woman at the well. But I wonder if it's, if it's the Nicodemus who potentially planted the seed in his mind. Uh, right, now, Jesus, Jesus is using a similar process in both these two dialogues. So, firstly, uh, he sparks an interest with both with a spiritual metaphor. So, um, Nicodemus has said, uh, you know, given is given us that introduction where where he says you know you must be from God, uh, and what and, and how does how does Jesus answer with this metaphor? Uh, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And similarly, when he, when he seeks out the woman, he uses another spiritual metaphor in in, in chapter four. Jesus answered her, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink." You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, this this you know confuses both parties. So both parties get confused. So Nicodemus is confused. How? Because both of them think in the same way. Both of them think in the physical. So Nicodemus thinks in the physical. How can someone be born when you when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Whereas the woman said, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, uh, with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? And in both situations, we find Jesus is then clarifying. So he clarifies for Nicodemus, and he clarifies for the woman. Jesus answers, Nicodemus, Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God 
unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And with the woman, he says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never, be, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Now, of course, that doesn't satisfy either party. Because neither party still understands at this stage. Nicodemus doesn't understand and the woman doesn't understand. Nick's, all, all, the, all that uh, John records in the conversation with Nicodemus how can this be? Nicodemus asks. Whereas the woman says, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So all she's there, you know, Nicodemus, what? <laughs> Whereas Jesus, oh yeah, I'll have some of that because I haven't got to then do all this on a, you know, a daily basis, you know, to come and get this water from this, from this world. And we know that she's there alone, as does Jesus. I'm not, I haven't thought about going into this bit, but of course she's there alone because she's shamed by... Her relationship with men is what she is what uh, is what she explains to Jesus. And she, you know, she gives it all up. To she or Jesus knows all of this, and he speaks into her entire situation. So Jesus knows exactly where she's coming from, and because and the reason she's probably there on her own and having this private conversation is because she's not treated with the same respect as everybody else in the town is. She is later, which is lovely. You know, she then gets that later because of. She's the one who develops a relationship. She finds out something that is remarkable about this particular man and what he's saying to her. So in terms of um, where he then takes it, is that uh, in both cases, he gives them some clarification. And, both, and in both cases, he gives them a mild telling off as well. You know, he says, you're not thinking straight. Like in both of them, in both cases. So to Nicodemus... You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things. In other words, where are you coming from? You should, you know, you should, you're supposed to be the one who knows all this stuff. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? And to the woman... Woman, he replied, believe me, a time is coming and when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the, the Father seeks. God is Spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And then immediately, the next thing he does in both situations is he points out to them that he is the way. So in John, uh, and, 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 that, and from Nicodemus' point of view, and from our point of view, our Bibles, remember, there's lots of things about our Bibles that confuse us and can set us off in the, in the wrong direction. I found a new one to them. Now, we've pr previously spoken of the, you know, the fact that there is no um, inverted commas in the, in the Old Testament Hebrew or in the Old Testament Greek. They don't use inverted commas. They don't use punctuation. So when we read punctuation, that is somebody's interpretation. 
If you remember, I like the, the way the commas appear in that passage. Wonderful, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Well, actually, there's no commas in there. So while we think everlasting father, it's, he actually says everlasting father. Sorry, it's a wonderful counselor, mighty, mighty God. All of these words are independent words. And each of them can be applied to God without being separated by commas into phrases that we see in the English. So we have to be aware of this. Now, what I discovered today, because, because I have, I choose generally to read from the NIV, but I also have in, on, my, on, my app, on my app the, the voice. Because, and the voice, I like the voice because it picks out, it, it, it writes it almost play-like. So you have Jesus and then his words, or, and, and, and um, keep, you know, the different titles of people, all the different people. The, the, the players are named first and then their voices. Now, in my red-letter Bible, I'd always heard John saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. I never heard, thought of that as being Jesus saying it. And it may be, and it may be John saying it. I always assumed that Jesus that was saying that. Well, that's good girl, then you're better than me because I get fooled by the, I got fooled and, and seduced by the red letter writing in my Bible. Well, even with the punctuation, that whole section is, is all of Jesus saying all of it. The whole thing, thing all the way down to verse Not in most Bibles, it's not. Oh. not. There's no inverted commas in what he says. In your Bible, in that version, because I've got the NIV as well. But the NIV, you know, you get to to, to 316, and that's that's back, back to being in black, not in red. Whereas in the voice, the whole section is in red. And suddenly thought, whoa. And again, I've been seduced by this red letter Bible stuff to thinking, well, and it, as I say, it's somebody's interpretation. But whoever translated the voice has interpreted that whole section as a statement from Jesus. Jesus is saying all that. Now when you read the whole lot, so you know, um, uh, so, so John 3, 13 to 21, as all being the voice of Jesus, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes, is, believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light, uh, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and who will not, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now, all of the voice suggests all of that is Jesus speaking, which you were saying that you always assumed. Which my is, Bible says it's all Jesus. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fascinating because in the later in the version of the NIV that I've got, it's not in red. Oh. I don't know. Have you got... no, my, my NIV uh, is not in red. Yeah. Sixteen Yeah. So that and that's that's yeah. where. So interpret the, the, the bottom line is interpretation changes, mm -hmm. and what is written, you know, no commas, no no none of this. 
Mm. We've got to be careful about it because that now, for me, and it obviously was for you, but for me, if I think of it in that context, it becomes a very significant statement. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, yes? Yeah, it's Emily. there in the footnotes, some interpreters end the quotation with verse 21. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, that's the, that's, that, but I only picked that up today. So, because I've always just read the, the, read the Bible no, and the... It never made any difference to me. It was just God so love the world. You know, that's just so... Yes, but it, absolutely. But if it is a statement from John, yeah. but the other interpretation is it's a statement direct from yeah. Jesus. And so much of what is, you know, we so often, people struggle sometimes to see where Jesus says yeah. that he is the Son of God because he keeps calling himself the Son of Man. Yeah. He is, you know, he is making a direct statement. And the impact for me, it becomes even, even more enormous to, now that I see it in that way. I look confused as well. No, no, I'm, I'm thinking of the cross. He says, Father, why have you forsaken? Yes, he always calls God Father. Yeah. I accept that. So Father implies Son. But um, the, the, if you look to the story of the crucifixion, um, uh, the way he answers the, 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 the priests, when the priests ask him, are you the son? He doesn't say yes. Mm-hmm. He answers it with a, with a different statement. And people have then said, oh, well, he never did say. And actually, actually he said in loads of places. Mm-hmm. And this is just one more that potentially adds up to make this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and to the woman... Because, to the woman, he makes himself very clear that he's the, the Messiah because she introduces into the conversation the Messiah. So she says, um, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And he gets the response that he, that, uh, he wants to see from this woman that this woman then realises that uh, she needs to turn her life around. She needs to put her faith, her trust in Jesus, in God. And not only that, she is so up for it, as we know, she, you know they, they, there is this parallel conversation going on with, with Jesus about her, the life she's led up till now, and he knows all about it, that's why he's come to speak to her. Uh, and, and, and all of that is, is forgiven and put aside. And she's now go, she now rushes down into the village and she's telling all the villagers about it. And so much so that the, the village are all up to go and meet this man. And uh, uh, you know, what the, other, the other thing is that not most of the preaching we see from Jesus uh, in, the, in the Gospels is to, either to Galilee or to, um, uh, or to, or to Judah and Jerusalem. Um, here he is doing the same things that Paul is doing. He's preaching effectively to God-fearing Gentiles because they're not the same as the north and the south. So God is, there's a Jesus, or both, but Jesus is there in the midst, and he stays with them for a couple of, they, they beg him to stay, so he stays. You know, you, you know, Jesus wants to be invited in. He was invited in by the, the, the people of this village, and he stays with them for two days. And this must have blown the, the, the disciples' minds apart, because, you know, up until now, Nobody would associate with, uh, with this bunch of people. And here they were, spending two nights with them and eating with them and having chats with them. And, oh, I can imagine it. <laughs> As we go forward. Wonderful. Um, 
So, and, and so and we find later on, as I say, John chapter 4, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. And Nicodemus, on the other hand, we're never told. Here is this incredible conversation that Jesus says to Nicodemus, I am the son of God. You know, if you take the, the, that, that whole section as being Jesus' words, Jesus is saying that to Nicodemus. He's saying, I am the son of God. So, you know, what was Nicodemus' response? We're not, we're not entirely clear. But Nicodemus turns up later. Now, the next time he turns up is in chapter 7 of John's Gospel. And in chapter 7 of, uh, of John's Gospel, he's, Jesus has returned to Jerusalem for one of the festivals. And uh, people, the, the common people, are beginning to recognise him as the Messiah, as the Son of God. They are beginning to see it. And they're beginning, there's a debate going on. So some are saying he is and some are saying he isn't. But this message gets to the temple and the, temp, the, um, the, the, the Pharisees. They get to hear about this. And they want him arrested. And so they therefore send the temple guards out to go and arrest him and bring him back. So the temple guards go out there and they start listening to what's going on. Although it doesn't, John doesn't tell us it in the Bible, they very clearly start listening to what Jesus is saying as well. So finally the temple guards, and this is then verse 45 of chapter 7, finally the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him? Uh, no one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, uh, the Pharisees reported. Have any of the rulers uh, uh, of the, so have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, verse 31, 50, Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him uh, to find out what, what he has been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you'll see that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Now, of course, Nicodemus had already listened to Jesus. He'd already heard him declare himself the son of God. So uh, he clearly... Even he was interjecting there because he'd had that conversation. We're not told, and we don't know whether he was a believer at that stage. But everybody in this world is on a journey, as we've said before. And some will come quickly to Jesus, and others will take time to get to Jesus. You remember, I love the account of Paul, where he goes off for three years. It took Paul three years to work out how the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. He'd met Jesus, he'd accepted him as the saviour, but he had to go and work it out for himself. Now, all of the Jews know their scriptures backwards. And obviously, it's, you know, in Paul's case, he knew that if he was to be able to, to go out and teach his countrymen, as well as the Gentiles, about Jesus, he had to know how it all fitted together. So it took him three years. Nicodemus would have been in a similar, if not more 
So, um, we know that Paul was a Pharisee, wasn't he? Paul, Paul a Pharisee? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was a Pharisee. yeah Paul, Paul a Pharisee? Everybody agree Paul was a Pharisee? I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. So, here was another one. It, you know, these things would not come easy to a Pharisee to believe in Jesus. Now, like Paul, who with his road to Damascus experience, there may have been a similar experience for Nicodemus. But Nicodemus may not be, and would not be necessarily willing to share all of that because he hadn't had three years. He couldn't have had three years because Jesus' ministry was only three, three and a half years long. So he hadn't had the same amount of time as Paul to work out in his head whether this Jesus' claims made sense. But we know he eventually must have, I think, because the last time Nicodemus turns up is, after, is at the crucifixion or after the crucifixion. Later, this is chapter, nine, this is chapter 19 and verses 38 um, to 40. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' Jesus's body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. So we're not told he's definitely a believer, but we know that, that Joseph of Arimathea was, and this guy comes with him to do the, the necessary for Jesus. So I think he probably was, um, but if not, he's on his journey, and his journey's really far advanced because he's, he's there or thereabouts. Now, I promised you the second sign uh, that, that, that appears in, uh, in, in, in this chapter 4. So that's the last bit of chapter 4 where we get the, the, uh, the sign that uh, uh, John wants to share with us. So after two days, he left for Galilee. So he'd spent the two days in the village, and now he goes off to Galilee. This is verse 43. Now Jesus himself pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Now, the welcome from the Galileans wasn't a welcome as such. It was probably more of a, uh, they, they were, it was more of a rejection, because they were only really interested in Jesus' miracles, because that's, I mean, it, it, when he, the, the, the account that they're talking about is that time when he, he goes, the first account in John, when he goes in there and, and throws out the moneylenders and the, uh, the people selling the, the, the sacrificial animals in the, in the temple courts. But in that account, we're also t- told he does signs and wonders, and that's all they're interested in. They're interested in the, the, the signs and wonders that, that, that he can perform. But, the, but John does still pick one out in, in that sense. Um, uh, so once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When the ma- this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was, ch- was, was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never, never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child g- g- dies. Verse 50, go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him 
with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon the fever left him. Then the father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Now it's interesting that John picks that sign out. Again, it's probably deliberate because Jesus was undoubtedly doing it all the time, performing his miracles. Um, but he was, he was doing it with a degree of, it was always with sympathy for the individual, but recognising that actually this, is, this, is, this isn't the way to win the hearts and minds. It will win the heart and mind of the individual, but not the, the mass of the, of the people, I think. I think that's where he was probably coming from. But it's lovely that, that uh, John picks this one out, because he refers to um, the, a, royal, a, a royal official, a certain royal official. There's only one royal household that I know of, and that's the household of Herod. Ooh, that's, so that's what I did in my head. Ooh, because of course, Herod was not liked by the, the majority of the people either for all of that, was he? Uh, and it, he chopped off John's head. He chopped off John's head yeah. because of his wife and his daughter and all that sort of thing. Yeah, indeed. Because uh, John criticised him, didn't he, for marrying marrying his brother's wife or something? I can't remember the the, the detail of it. Mm. But um, um, you know, so so the, the example that John picks out was probably very deliberate from that point of view, because it's not what he expects them to pick out. We, it's, it's once again him using the situation to emphasise, you know, where Jesus is coming from in all of this, which I think was was, was particularly. Uh, wonderful, and of course, the illustrations that we get from all of this, I, I think, is the fact that, as we've said before, all of us and everybody in this world is on a journey somewhere, uh, and, and that journey will lead ultimately to an encounter with Jesus and with God and with the Holy Spirit, and obviously, ultimately, the aim is for everybody to respond to the Holy Spirit and come to Jesus, and, and, and I still think that everybody does. But, of course, that's for God to determine and not for me. But I think our God, as we keep emphasising, is a loving God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is all about the love that we've been singing and sharing uh, this morning as we go through. And that love, of course, culminated from our point of view in Jesus' death on the cross. And we'll therefore come around the table and celebrate that feast with him and with each other as we break the bread. Now then, uh, we did get opportunity to cut it out, I'm not sure if you did. So let's pray, Joe. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for all you've been sharing with us today and the revelations you give us. And we pray you will continue to work in our hearts and minds as we contemplate all that you show us and share with us and you speak to us as, as we spend our time with you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We do pray it's been a blessing to you. If you have any questions or you need to reach out to anyone for support, please know that you can find us now on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Cross Hands Christian Centre.